And if you're ready to study the word, lift your Bible or your electronic device above your head. Everybody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better. Say it again. And my life is the better. One more time. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Book of Luke, chapter number 18, verses number 9. Story Jesus tells. The purpose of the story, verse number 9, he starts out and he says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness, everybody shout own righteousness, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here that's trying to pray to you. I ain't like him. Look at what I do, God. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Thirteen juxtaposed in his position with the tax collector, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this tax collector, did no bragging about his accomplishment, but simply asked God for mercy. Rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Father, your word is already blessed in Jesus' name. Today, I want to teach something that has been a major catalyst in the transformation with my relationship with God. When I finally, not just got, but really fully embraced and accepted this particular truth that I'm getting ready to minister, my, my, my faith, my intimacy, my relationship with God, my peace, my joy went to a whole nother level. And I want to share this transformation with you all on today. I want to start out by highlighting um, some thoughts that the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Galatians. And for those of you all who are familiar with the book of Galatians, as opposed to all the other writings, Paul is like straight tripping in Galatians. He says he has such a harsh tone in Galatians that you don't see in any of the other books. And, and Paul deals with some stuff in the other books. He, he deals with sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians. He deals with um, um, folks that are getting drunk off communion. He, I mean, he deals with schisms and divisions. But there's a particular issue, just one little issue that's going on in the Galatian church that escalates his tone to a whole nother level. And I want to show it to you today. In Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to, everybody shout a different gospel, 
a different, a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Everybody shout the gospel of Christ. Now, I believe that you shall allow the scripture to define its own terms. And that's what I want to do today. So I want to move away from Galatians just for a moment to 1 Corinthians 15 to highlight what the gospel is all about. Because if I asked you today, what is the gospel? Many of you all would just simply retort, it's the good news. And you wouldn't be wrong, but you wouldn't be fully right. Paul actually defines what the gospel is that he's been preaching. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firm, firmly to the, to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ, here, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. Everybody shout, Christ died for our sins. So we understand that according to the scripture, that sin separates us from God. And not only does sin separate us from God, the Bible declares that the payment or the wages of sin is death. So the good news is that Christ died for our sins. Verse 4 that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Everybody shout, this is good news. This is good news because if sin separated me, if it separated me from God and it caused death on the inside of me, my God, spiritually and physically, I need somebody to take on this thing that's separating me from God. And not only do I need them to take ownership of it, I need some type of proof that they have overcome it. So what Jesus does, he takes on the sin of the whole world and he dies, my God. And after dying, he is resurrected. Now there's a difference between Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus was resurrected to die again. But Jesus proved mastery over the power of sin and the effect of sin because not only was he raised temporarily, he was raised to never die again. So in essence, Jesus died for the thing that was separating me from God. He died, let me make it plain. He died from the thing that was separating me from my peace. He died from the thing that was separating me from my joy. He died from the thing, my God, that was separating me from my destiny. He died for, everybody shout, he died for my sins. And again, it's important for us to know that not only did he die and was buried, but he was raised to life. So what Paul is going to do, he's going to spend three extra verses that I want to repeat, that I want to read, because it's important for you to understand that we serve a risen Savior. Verse number five, the Bible declares, and he appeared to Cephas. I need you to know. And not only to Peter, he appeared to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles all the apostles, and last he all, last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. Let me go back to Galatians 1 and 6. So he says, I'm astonished, I'm tripping, because you turn from the good news that Jesus died for your sins, and you entertaining a different type of gospel. Let's give an understanding of what this different gospel is that they're beginning to believe. We who are Jews by birth are not sinful Gentiles. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by, everybody shout, works of the law. 
Say it again, works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be made right before God, justified. Paul, watch this, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians. Sound like my man talking out the side of his neck. Now, in 1 Corinthians, he deal with a situation where this man was sleeping with his father's wife, with his stepmother. And the church was letting it go on. You would think he would be talking about, you fools, because that's somebody's job. That's crazy. That's real crazy. Huh? There were some dis- the, the disciples that was causing schisms and divisions, talking about, I'm of Paul. No, I'm of Cephas. No, I'm of, now forget all y'all, I'm of Christ. You think he'd be rebuking harshly like this. So th- what, what's really going on in this church that Paul talk of, talking like, I mean, like, like, you bunch of fools, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. Verse number three, he says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? What Paul is dealing with in Galatians is called legalism. Legalism. And I want to help you with this definition of legalism because some of you all have heard it before, but sometimes I've seen it, I've seen it misapplied um, in your practical living. Legalism manifests whenever one's thought of right standing before God is based on their personal works and accomplishments instead of Christ's finished work on the cross. I'm going to read that one more time. Legalism manifests whenever one's thoughts of right standing before God is based on their personal work and accomplishment instead of Christ's finished work on the cross. Now, the reason I want to highlight this is because there are some people that take legalism to the extreme. So as a fellow believer, if I challenge your lifestyle at all, you call me religious and legalist. Don't be telling me what I, anything that thou shalt not or you can't, you shouldn't, anything like that, you are legalist. So in essence, because of God's grace, I can do whatever I want to do. So that's, that's one extreme. And then there's another extreme, watch, watch the wisdom, that they're a little bit more theologically grounded, where in essence, they cut their Bible in half. And they say, anything of the Old Testament that you're trying to come against me against, it's called legalism. So don't tell me nothing about what the Old Testament say that I can't do, what I can't be, so forth and so on. So let's talk about this. Yeah, let let me deal with that brand right there. Let me deal with that brand. When it comes to the law of Moses, everybody shout the law of Moses. The law of Moses falls into three broad categories. Moral laws, honor laws, and sign laws. Moral laws, moral laws, moral laws, honor laws. Sign laws, moral laws, honor laws, sign laws, moral laws. Um, if you're a mother, don't sleep with your son. Moral, it's a moral law. On, honor, honor laws, on, honor laws. Um, thou shalt honor the Lord thy God with thy substance. Honor laws. You have sign laws. Here's, here's a sign law. Um, if you plant crops, don't plant two different types of crops on the same row. <laughs> All of these laws translate into the New Testament in one of four ways. 
Number one, unchanged. Number two, through intensification. Number three, by principle. Number four, as a reality in Christ. Number one, unchanged. Number two, through intensification. Number three, by principle. Number four, as a reality in Christ. Let's deal with it. Number one, unchanged. In the Old Testament, thou shalt not steal. Guess what, Jesus? Steal don't want you doing in the New Testament. Thou shalt not, that's under the law. If I'm in need, ain't nothing wrong with me taking a little something, something. Until somebody in need, they take a little something, something from you. So the same God that said, thou shalt not steal under the Old Testament, says the same thing. There are some laws that it's not that they're unchanged. They're actually intensified to a whole nother degree. I'll give you an example. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. He says, don't have sex with your neighbor's wife. That didn't just transition unchanged. That intensified. Jesus says, not only do I not want you to have sex with her, if you're standing on your porch and you looking at her in the flower garden, bending over, lusting after her, you've committed adultery in your heart already. I'm going to let that one just marinate. There's some laws that they translate by principle. It's about, it's about principle. And whenever there's a principle, it's a matter of the heart. Everybody shout of the heart. It's not about whether you do it or not. It's about the reason why you do it. I'm finna run in this place right now. Let me use this example. I'm gonna use this crazy example. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. I say this respectfully. I say this respectfully. I will say this respectfully. The prophet that came in here Thursday and Friday, he looked like a pimp. I say it respectfully. I say it respectfully. My man looked like a pimp. Earrings, bling. Tatted down. The, the, the big tattoo he showed me on his, the big tattoo right here is actually the name of a gun. Big old Playboy hat. <laughs> Look, skinny, skinny chest hanging out. <laughs> but watch this. The prophet looks like the demographic that he evangelizes to. He looks like the pimps and the prophesy and, and, and the prostitutes that he goes out and he witnesses to at 11, 12, and 1 o'clock. That's how the man church grows. He goes out on Hollywood. Come on, somebody. Prophesy, and after he's finished prophesying and they're crying, he asks the question, how do I know this? I don't know. Jesus told me. And when they relate that Jesus loves me this much to reveal this to me and bring you here, it brings them to the Lord and this church is growing. Now, here you are called to a demographic of people that dress up in shirt and tie every day. And you trying to be like a prophet and don't put a big old tattoo on the side of your face. 
trying to figure out why you are rejected by the people that God has called you to. And the reason is, is because you don't look like who God has called you to. You're trying to look like a demographic that God calls somebody. I'm going to run myself. I ain't studying y'all. So it ain't about your tattoo. It ain't about your earrings. Come on, somebody. My middle girl, Charity, walk around here. Look, look, that girl lips be so shining. And I ain't worried about her lip chop. She she, it's just lip chop. I said, I ain't lip chop, baby. Not that bright. I ain't lip chop at all. They ain't, Vaseline can't even shine that bright. I ain't messed up about your lipstick. I ain't messed up about your makeup. I just want to know why your heart. What about your heart? It ain't what you're doing. I want to know. Why are you doing what you're doing? So if you're going to make a decision, you're going to get a tattoo. If you're going to make a decision, you're going to get an earring. I ain't tripping about your earring. The question is, just why? Because there are some of you all, ooh, I feel it. So, so there, there are some of you all, watch this. There's a tension. There's a tension that you have between God. And, and the, the tension is that somebody's doing something that you want to do, but God won't allow you to do it because God knows your temperament. I had a friend of mine come to me, and he blessed me so much. He said, he, he was looking at these rims, and he was like, man, them rims tight, man. I love them rims. And he, I said, man, why don't you get you some? He said, I'll be honest with you, Greg. I can't handle the attention. He said, I can't. Them, them type of rims bring a certain attraction to you, and I can't handle that type of attraction. It ain't about what you do, but there are certain laws that transform as principles. And principle is always built on matters of the heart, not what you do, but why you're doing what you're doing. Can somebody say amen to that? So when he says, when he says, look, look, don't grow two crops. Don't, don't, don't grow two types of crops on the same row. How does that translate as a principle? It's the principle of sanctification. This was a sign law to remind the people that you are, there's a distinction between what's unholy and holy. And I want, I want, a, I want a, a, a practical example for, to you, for you to remember uh, to walk in sanctification. So it translates by principle. And then there are some laws that translate by the fulfillment of Christ. What do you mean the fulfillment of Christ? It was only a shadow, whereas Christ is the reality. So if you take the half of your Bible, you call the Old Testament and throw it away, you don't throw a whole lot away. Watch what, watch what Paul, because there's some people, whenever you talk about the law and legalism, all of a sudden people be like, oh, that's bad. That's bad. Don't talk about the law. But look what, look what Paul, look what the New Testament says about the law. Wherefore, the law is holy, Romans 7, 12. The commandment holy and just and good, 7, 14. The law is spiritual. Not only is it holy, it's spiritual. Romans 7, 16, the law is good. 1 Timothy 1, everybody shout, the law is good. Say it again, the law is good. Now, some of y'all face cracked. That was hard for you to say because you've been taught against legalism for so long that anything that looks like law, you're like, no, nah, that's of the devil. No, nah, that's in bondage. We under grace. We under the New Testament. Paul says that the law is good. So, so what's up with this Mosaic law? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Two things I want you to jot down. Number one, the Mosaic law was given as a means to communicate God's standard of living to those who say they love him. That's it. It was given as a means. If you say you love me, 
If you say you love me, these are the types of things people do that say they love me. Let me give you an example. Man. <laughs> every, every Mother's Day, I give my mama money. I give her money. I give her money every Mother's Day. Just cake off. Bam. One Mother's Day popping. You remember this one good. I had a friend. This is the only reason I did it. I had a friend that bought his mama this big old bouquet of roses. Beautiful. And he was telling me just how tickled she was. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So one Mother's Day, I decided not to give my mama money. <laughs> Instead of $100, I brought $100 worth of flowers to the house. And I was wondering why she was like, what's this? <laughs> what's, what's this right here, son? I said, happy Mother's Day. She didn't say it, but she was looking like it ain't too happy. <laughs> Guess what I did last Mother's Day? I brought a money tree. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I know what my mama like, and I say I love her, why wouldn't I strive to do the things that I know she likes? So if this is the law, we're not going to talk about if you can meet the standard or not, if you can consistently keep it or not. We're not talking about this. But if this is the law and you say you love God, why not do the things that you know that he, if you say you, okay? So the law was given to communicate the standard of living to the people of God that say they love him. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down as well. The Mosaic law was never given as a means of acceptance by God. It was never given as a means to be accepted Woo! by God. Hmm. Hey, um, 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 let's see. Shed, come here for a second, sir. Shed, Shed, come here, come here. Uh, did I see King somewhere? King, come here, my man. King, come here. Love you, my man. Good to see you, bro. My man. Love you, boy. King, my dude. King. Take your jacket off, King. All right. Hey, uh, you, you brothers, like, trust me not to, like, embarrass you or, you know, nothing crazy like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, real talk. Y'all, y'all trust me. Like, I ain't gonna do, like, like, we're going to leave the servant, your wife, and I'm like, man, Pastor Jenna, you know, y'all trust me like that, right? Okay. So I'm going to ask you to do something, and I want you to continue to do it until I tell you to stop. Okay? I'm going to start with you. You ready? This is all I want you to do. Come here. I want you to sit right here. Look at me. Don't get up until I tell you to get up. Okay, that's it. Got it? All right, King. Come stand right here. Face the crowd. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do jumping jacks. 
till I tell you to stop. You ready? You ready? I, I, I want you to get some effort. I want you to ah. I want you to put some effort in it. You ready? Go. All right, cool. So watch this, y'all. There's a thing that's called a grace-based approach to God and a works-based approach to God. God has always required that you approach him by grace that did not start in the New Testament. What are you trying to say? Even, no, 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 let's go before the law. Before the law, when Adam sinned, how did he get right back in fellowship? He had faith in the sacrifice of a substitute in his place. The Bible declares that he was clothed in a tunic of skin. That's the only way he got back into the presence of God. Even under the law, when God instituted the standard of living for folk that say that they love him, the way that you come to me is not through the standard, but you offer a sacrifice in order to come to me. You got to have faith in what I'm telling you to do. Make this sacrifice. Let's move before the law. Let's move during the law. Now let's go after the law. How do you come to Jesus? Not because you're so holy, not because you wear a dress down to your ankles, but the only way you come to God is that you got to have faith in the sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? So here's the question. Here's the question. Now, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Watch this. Hold on. Do you, no, do you, stop. what you doing? The question is, do you want to please God? Yeah. What, what word then? That's how we live. That's how we live. Here's the question. Are you getting tired? Because working for God in order, for be ple- in order to be accepted by God makes you tired. And not only does it make you tired, after a while it makes you either want to do one or two things, quit or fake it. That's why it's so much craziness, so much exposure in the body of Christ because you got a bunch of jokers trying to prove themselves that they so holy. Y'all ain't saying nothing and they know that they ain't holy. So I got to fake it in front of everybody else. And then here you are exposed because you trying to work your way into. Watch it. In just a moment, just a moment, he's going to be like. Now watch this, I got about 15 scriptures I got to read. I got about 15 scriptures I want to read. Everybody shout, I think I'm going to live by grace. Look at, cause, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, because you look a little tired. Hey, y'all, he like, I never should have volunteered for this. <laughs> Watch this. Have, have a seat, sir. Ooh, I, I feel like running, but I can't run yet. I can't run yet. No, 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 no. Have a seat. Have a seat right here. Have a seat like this. What? I only got one reason. I only got one reason. I'm teaching this. I only got one reason, and I'm finna show you. Isaiah 64 and 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all of our... 
filthy rags. Hebrews 4.16, watch this. Let us therefore come, this is how God wants you to approach him. This is how he wants you to come to him. Let us therefore come boldly unto what, y'all? The throne of what? That we may obtain what? And find what, y'all? To help us in a time of need. Now let's, let's put some definitions to this. Grace is defined as it is given favor that is undeserved. That's what grace is. Grace is I'm giving you favor that you can't work for. You, you can't do enough jumping jacks. You can't jump high enough. You can't do it fast enough to do. Oh, my God. The Bible declares eyes have not seen, neither have ears heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Somebody shout, God got great things in store for me. And what he has in store for you, you can't work hard enough to deserve it. Somebody shout, give me grace, Lord. So he gives you favor that you didn't deserve. He gives you opportunities that your degrees, come on somebody, can't grant you. He opened doors that your wisdom can't open for you. So that's what grace is. It is giving favor that is undeserved. Here's mercy. Mercy, everybody shout, give me mercy, Lord. Mercy is withheld punishment that is due. Now look at me, I'm coming down here. Let me see what a real holy side at. What a holy side at. Let me put my holy meter on. My holy meter. This thing going crazy all in the house. It's going crazy all in the house. But you know the reality is? Don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. There's some of y'all, if not all of us, have done some things where we need to be in two places right now. Jail or hell. Right now. Jail or hell. <laughs> right now I ain't talking about in the future I'm talking about like it's supposed to be hot right now you're supposed to be walking around in green and white or orange and white whichever one something in red and white oh red and white Lord Jesus you need to, you're supposed to be in solitary confinement you know it's something when you're so dangerous, you can't be around the other prisoners. That's what some of y'all deserve to be. So mercy, grace says, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Grace says, I give you favor you didn't deserve. Mercy says, I'm withholding judgment that I know you do deserve. So let's read this in context of the definition. Paul says, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of favor, given favor that is undeserved, that we may obtain withheld punishment. Watch this, that is past due. And find given favor that is undeserved to help us in our time of need. Somebody shout, I need that right there. Woo. Okay, okay. I did all of that. I did all of that. I did all of that. All of that. One person. Because I, for, for, for one reason. Yeah, I saw some in the text. I just ain't never seen this before. I'm going to show it to you. But I ain't never seen it in the, in the text before. 
But God showed this to me. He showed it to me by revelation, and then he showed me in text. I'm going to show you the revelation first, then I'm going to show you the text. Do, my, do, do, do the jumping jack. Do, do the jumping jack. God is good. God is good. Come on, shit. Sit right here. Turn. When you have a grace, when you have a works-based mentality towards God, you also, by default, have a works-based mentality towards people. So what happens is you wind up overperforming because you need people to accept you. So what winds up happening is you become tired of performing and you do one or two things. Either you quit or you lie. Let me, let me prophesy in this place. That's why some folk lie to you because they don't believe that you really love them for them and they gotta overperform in order to get your love. So it's easy you to tell you that everything is okay so you don't look down on me and reject me because I can't handle rejection no more. Stop, 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 stop. So when you got a works-based mentality, not only does it affect, ooh, you sweating. I love you, man. Not only does it affect Jesus, not only does it affect how you act towards people to try to get their favor. Let's say shared as a father. Stand up, stand up. Shared as a father. So my man, he works and he works and he works. He works because he has a works-based mentality. He works in the church because he's trying to get God to finally love him. But he also works, he also works for his dad because I'm trying to get my daddy to love me. I'm just, I just want him to love me. And so I'm going to work and work and work and work and work. But it also works. Sit down. If Shed was his child, they would have such a difficult relationship because I want to know why you ain't jumping and jacking right now. Why you ain't up on your feet. Why you ain't moving right now. Don't you see me doing jumping jacks? Don't you see me moving? I'm worth something because I do this. I am somebody. Look at God delivered me and God made me whole. And I ain't the man I used to be. And I don't do this no more. And I don't do that no more. Why you ain't moving? When you got a works basement and some of y'all are killing your kids and you killing relationship because of your selfish works based mentality. Everybody shall be delivered. So the kid that's sitting here, the employee that's sitting here, hmm, whoever is subordinate to you could be on your job. They secretly hate you because they feel I can never be good enough to be accepted. Because even when I start working, even when I start doing jumping jacks, it ain't never high enough, it ain't never long enough. It ain't never with enough energy. Some of y'all are here killing folk. You killing people that you say you love. 
you got to stop it. You got to stop it. The title of this sermon series is, is Bigger Than You. And in saying that it's bigger than you, that means join hands, brothers, join hands. That means you need one another. And how is it you're going to say you need me, but yeah, you ki- emotionally you're killing me. Why? Because deep on the inside of the human heart is a need of love and acceptance just for who I am, not what I do. Because the reality is, Pop, man, I trip, I falter, I forget stuff, I do stuff sometimes. Man, it'd it be times up here, man, even on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I walk away, I'm like, God, I don't know what I did with that one. I don't know, I don't know what your boy did with that one right there. But it's okay, I go to bed at night. You know why? Because God don't love me based on how I preach. There are people who love me based on how I preach. That's truth. You ain't got to say it, man. You can, you can be quiet. That's, that's the reality. Y'all can let hands go. It's starting to look funny. Now. No, 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 man. I'm messing. I'm messing. I'm messing. I'm messing. I'm being silly. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm being silly. Watch this. God help me. There's some people in here. I'm getting ready to pray for you. Struggling. You struggling with receiving the love of God. You struggling. You struggling. This works-based mentality is what you dealt with all of your life and all of your Christian life. And right now you're tired. You're becoming weary and well-doing. And there's somebody in here that's tempted to quit. There's somebody else in here faking it. The reason you're faking is because you just don't want people to know how bad off you are. I, if anybody understands faking it, I, I do. I, I do. I, I understand what it's like to fake because I, I grew up in a, uh, an environment where I was always, I was thrust into folk categories a folk that didn't look like me. I competed in a lot of categories of folk that didn't look like me. And they were usually the majority. And it wasn't necessarily prejudice or racism, but people have a tendency to favor folk that look like them. That's just the reality. So when you're the minority in the group and you realize that there's some favoritism there because of likeness, you have to overachieve, watch this, and minimize slash hide weaknesses. So I know what it's like to have to hide. Look, Tim, don't got him another chair. I was wondering why you weren't playing, bro. Now do jumping jacks right now. See, he disobedient, man. Oh, that man just. So this is what love does. Love says, love says, it's not that I don't want you to work. Don't get that wrong. Don't get that twisted. It's not that I don't want you to work. I just want you to know that your work don't affect my love for you. 
It affect, it don't affect how I feel about you. Where my nephew at? Where my nephew at? Where my nephew at? Say, Kirian, where you at, boy boy? Say, come to me. Where you at? Come on over here, boy. Thank you, gentlemen. Man. Hey, look at me. You know you got on my nerves last night, right? <laughs> never, never got on my nerves. Never, never, never got on my nerves. He got on my nerves last night. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I don't know why he kept doing this. He kept doing this. He'd just be walking, he'd be like, <laughs> he'd be going up the kids. And I told him, never stop. And he'll stop. I turned my back. And so he did it one last time. And I got on to him hard. I was like, Whoa. no, I ain't do that. I ain't do that. I ain't do that. <laughs> I sure felt like doing it. <laughs> I got on to him hard. I got on to him. Maybe too hard. I made, maybe too hard. Maybe too hard. But I got on to him. So I went inside and I said, man, you know what? This is what I need to do. This, this, I still don't like what he was doing. But I went outside and I apologized to my nephew. This is what I did. This is why I apologized. Because I didn't want no ambiguity in his heart to be like, my aunt don't love me. Let me tell you something. Boy, I love you. You hear me? Look at me. Don't nobody else in the world love you. Your uncle love you. Your uncle love you. I love you. I love you. Look at me, boy. I love you. You hear me? I don't always like what you do. But me not liking what you do has nothing to do with your uncle love me, loving you. I don't care how bad you fail. I don't care what you do that's just horrific. At the end of the day, you should know your uncle love you. Do you love me? Hug me, man. Hug me. Hug me. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Hug me. Hug me. how God love you. This is how he love you. Don't always like what you do. He don't. He don't. Watch this. Watch this. So, sometimes, sometimes I'm God's bad son, but I'm still his son. There are times when I'm his good son, but guess what? I, still all I am, I'm his son. God loves you just like that. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This is who I'm getting ready to pray for. There's some individuals in this place. It's challenging you. Come down a little bit, Tim. Come down. Come down. You, you having some challenges receiving the love of God. And I'm getting ready to help you today. I'm getting ready to bless you. I, I promise you, when you leave this place today, you're going to leave free. God has given me my instructions. I know what I'm getting ready to do. Thank you, Jesus. When you leave this place today, I guarantee you're going to leave free. But you have problems sometimes 
receive, just being loved by God. You have this works-based mentality that God loves me because I do this or if I didn't meet this standard, then maybe God don't favor me or, or care for me or love me. And I know it, it's sometimes, even saying it, sometimes that just sounds silly saying it. But sometimes your feelings ain't got nothing to do with what the truth is. It's just how I feel. If that's you, I want you to stand on your feet right now. Stand on your feet. Come on. I see you. Thank you. That's so good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Come on. God is so good. It's good. Love you, nephew. God is so good. God is so good. I want my elders to come, come, come here to the altar real quickly. My, my elders, elders, my elders, my elders, just my elders. And there's a, there's a group of intercessors that I've taken through trainings in the past with elder. One of my classmates, elder. If, you, if you're part of that group, I want you to come, come here quickly. Quickly. Aisha, I need you to come. Jamie, Jessica, I need you to come now. Now, for those of you who are standing, listen to me. Ty, put that last scripture on the screen, sir. Chris, let's go, man. This is what God showed me. This is what God showed me. This is what God showed me. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. The scripture that I gave you. Put that on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. The scripture declares... Even if our gospel is veiled, let me read it from the screen. But if our gospel be hid, what's the gospel? The good news is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The good news is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> the good news is, Jesus loves you. But if this love, this demonstrated love, if our gospel be hidden, it is hid to them that are lost. Let me, let me show you why, why you're lost in this. Put number four on the screen. In whom the God of this world, you see that G-O-D, that little G, talking about the devil. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So in essence, what the devil has done, look up at me, look up at me. What the devil has done, he's hid the goodness of God from you. That's all he's done. He stopped you from seeing how good God has been to you. That's all he's done. The devil has put his hand over your eyes because if you ever saw, if you ever re really realize all the sacrifices he's been making for you all of your life, all of your life, 
See, 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 I, I believe that there's a praise that we're going to give in heaven that we can't give on earth. There's a praise we're going to give in heaven that we can't give on, on earth. You know why we're going to be able to give a praise? Because my grandma would say it like this. God kept us from danger seen. There's some stuff God did for me I don't even know he did for me. All I know is, I just, I just, I don't know why, I just feel like making a left turn. I don't know, this ain't the way I normally, I just, I'm just going to make a left turn. And you don't know why the Spirit of God told you to make the left turn. Had you made the right one, you might not even be here today. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you to go and just put your hands on the shoulders of the individuals that are standing. And we're going to break the power of darkness that's blinding you from seeing the light of God. That's all we go. We're going to break the pot because God loves you so much. But there's a devil. If, if the devil knows, if you saw, my God, today, the scripture declares they were picking at this woman because she was, she was washing Jesus' feet with her tears in her eyes. And they was picking at Jesus. Why you let this woman weep at your feet and, and dry your feet with her hairs? Jesus said, this woman right here was possessed with seven demons seven demons and I delivered her and you sitting up here with your bride for self if you would if I would have did in you what I did in her you would be at my feet too the devil don't want you to see what God has done for you because he knows if you really saw all God been doing for you your passion for God to go to a whole other level but I prophesy today you getting ready to see come on let's go let's go let's go let's go